We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Thrown off for two reasons. One, I was practicing going live on Instagram. Didn't go well. We booted that idea. Two, no Chris Biederman today. Joining me is going to be ESPN's Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers for ESPN, does a great job, and he is our favorite cast member. We said, hey, you know what? Nick gets at least one mention per pod. Let's just have him fill in for Chris, and he was nice enough to uh, take time out of his night to do that. Before we dive into the 49ers Commanders preview that we're going to do with Nick, uh, let's talk about our friends over at Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. You can use the promo code CANDLESTICK20 to get 20% off your order. It is comfortable. It is high quality. And it makes you look dope. Which of those three things is the most important, as we all know? Uh, Nick is nodding his head. He understands. Uh, <laughs> We're also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Uh, shout out to the homies up at Cooperage. You can visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. It's a great spot to hang out. You can bring your dog, bring your kids, bring the whole family. There's good beers, good vibes, always a good food truck out there. You can get some eats. And, uh, of course, if you can't make it up to Santa Rosa or if um, if you went and you're like, you know what, I'm having a hankering for some, for some Cooperage, you can go to cooperagebrewing.com and you can order a case. They'll send it right to your front door if you are 21 and up. And in the state of California, it is the single best way to acquire beer, whether you like eight IPAs, um hazies regular pale ales pilsners oatmeal stouts i got it for you at cooperagebrewing.com all right let's dive into this 49ers commanders preview with nick wagner Blue Wire. hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles Thanks so much for taking time. I know you've got a big uh, Mizzou-Ohio State matchup, and that's actually why Chris isn't on today because right. you guys have really been button heads about this uh, about this right. Cotton Bowl action we got coming up uh, tomorrow. Well, Chris is already doing the thing where he's making excuses like, oh, look at all of our NFL guys who are not going to play, and oh, yeah. our quarterback who Chris has been just like ripping to shreds M- much all year. maligned. Yeah, yeah, much maligned by Chris all year, <laughs> and now all of a sudden it's the end of the world that he's not playing because the the backup wears number thirty three. Like it's just it's like it's like the advanced excuse making in case 
Mizzou wins. And here's the thing. I'm the one that should get to do that. I'm the one that should be able to be like, you know what? If Mizzou loses, so what? It's just a meaningless bowl game. And then if they win, I act like it's the most important thing that's ever happened. That's right. the way this is supposed to go. So it's a good thing that Chris isn't on here. I can make my case and we can just ignore any of the points that he would make, which were all undoubtedly terrible. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and you know, for me, I'm rooting hard for my Alabama Crimson Tide. So I have no dog in this fight. I'm waiting for Jan 1 when, when the real games right. start. Uh, right. Roll Absolutely. damn tide. Um, I want to talk to you about Home Alone and Home Alone 2, but we're going to push that to the back burner, and we'll start with the 49ers, I guess. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the on the 49ers-Ravens game. Uh, for, for me, Week 16 was uh, not the 49ers' best performance. I don't think anything really differently of Brock Purdy. I don't think anything differently about the 49ers. What was your big takeaway from week 16? I mean, I think in some ways that game can be beneficial for the 49ers in the big picture. And I'm not sitting here trying to say like, oh, some sort of moral victory. It certainly wasn't. They did not play well and they got the result that they deserved. I mean, it was a game in a lot of ways. It reminded me of the 2019 game against the Steelers with one huge significant difference being that. The Steelers in 2019 were really bad, and the Ravens are really good, and that was why the Niners were able to overcome the five turnovers they had in 2019 and win <laughs> and weren't able to do that and ended up losing by two scores against the Ravens. But but the reason I think it could be beneficial is I've kind of had this theory that I've been working on, and I'm actually working on a story uh, maybe for deeper into the playoffs if, if, if the season keeps going that late. And the idea is basically that the 49ers – have built a defense that would be the best equipped to slow down the 49ers offense if they ever had to play. And the logic behind that being, particularly when you look at the two linebackers, um, maybe a little bit less so at safety, but also kind of just including just the way they're kind of built up the middle. And I think the Ravens are the team that is the closest to the 49ers in that regard. And you could even say, I think the Ravens are probably a little, not, not quite as good as the Niners at linebacker close, but not maybe not quite there. And then I think they are better probably at safety uh, because of Kyle Hamilton. So anyway, I I say that to say, like, I think that this is the type of defense that can challenge the 49ers and is going to give them uh, the biggest issues. Lamar Jackson, there's just no way to prepare for him unless you've seen him. And that would be the other side of it, too, where it's like, I think he's 20 and one in his lifetime against the NFC. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's because those teams don't see him. And so. Yeah, yeah, you could play Kyler Murray and Ky- Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts in the couple of weeks before playing Lamar, but Lamar's a whole different a whole different thing to contend with. He's just that much better of a player. He's faster. He's smart with the way he never takes hits. I mean, mm-hmm. all the types of things that he does. And, and that's so that was kind of my big takeaway is like, yes, the 49ers got outplayed. They got the result that they deserved. I, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and say, oh, you know, it was it was just unfortunate. I thought Brock made at least two really bad decisions. The first one and the third one to me were bad decisions and credit to him that he, you know, just kind of owned up to the third one. Like, Hey, I saw the flags. I should have, I should have just eaten that one. There was nothing good that was going to come out of it. But um, nonetheless, as they will, they will tell you it was good to get it out of the way. Now, if they were going to have that kind of game, the hope is for them, of course, that they don't have another one. The Lamar aspect of this was kind of the biggest thing for me because I didn't think the 49ers defense did a necessarily bad job. The Ravens ground game never really got going. And I thought they did the stay in your pass rush lanes. Don't collapse the pocket one way or the other and give them an easy escape route. I've just never seen a quarterback sit in the pocket by time 
and then literally you would see his eyes come down search for a way out he'd escape the pocket clear out and then reset his feet reset his eyes and make a play i've never seen a quarterback do that as effectively as lamar jackson did continually on on monday night that was he was unbelievable the thing that he does so well that jumps out to me anytime i watch him is that He's so under control while moving so fast. Yeah. Like to be able to strike that balance is unbelievable because a lot of times his escape lanes were the same. I, I looked at it almost like a T when I went back and rewatched it. Mm. So like the pressure would be coming, he would step up and then he would go to the right or he would go to the left. And, but then he would look <laughs> to throw, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it was like, it was an up and over and then look to throw almost every time with the exception of that one run before the end of the half. But yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at it, I think right going into half before the Lamar scramble, I think the Ravens were averaging like 3.6 a play or something yeah. like that. The Niners were averaging close to 10 a play, mm -hmm. uh, but they had the three turnovers, and you can't take those away, of course. Uh, but you were only down four going into the half. And so if you're the Niners, you're thinking, if we can just get this straightened out and stop turning the ball over, yeah. we got a chance to win. And when that game got out of hand, when it went from 16 to 12, to I think it went to 30 to 12 right yeah it, it less than four points. minutes it, 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 yeah it was like three minutes into the end of the end of the third quarter <laughs> but look at the field position the Ravens had for both of those one mm -hmm. of those was the fourth Brock Purdy pick which I think they started at like the the Niners 15 or 18 or something yeah. like that the other one came after a punt return in which Wisnowski got flagged for a late hit so they were on the other side of the field too again not trying to take anything away from Lamar Jackson and, and, and the Ravens but that game flipped because of those turns. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say flipped. I get that game continued to go the way it was going because they had some really advantageous spots and it put the Niners defense in an almost in an almost impossible spot anyway, but particularly when you add the Lamar Jackson factor to the equation. Spinning this forward to week 17 now, because I think everything that's going to be said about week 16, I think is, has kind of been said at, at, at this point. Um, two, two more things regarding that as we spin this forward though, one of the major things in that game, and I think one of the things that kept the Niners from from I, they had a re, the other the other aspect of this is they had a real shot to climb back in late, like they were in scoring range with like three minutes left and all three timeouts to cut it to seven, and they would have been able to kick it away and use their timeouts to see if they could get a stop. And um, then the offensive line fell apart. Like Trent Williams is already out, but then Aaron Banks goes down and Jalen Moore goes down, and they're down to Ben Barch at left guard do you anticipate or or what's your feeling on Aaron Banks Trent Williams and those guys playing on on Sunday yeah as we sit here right now on on Thursday night I actually think it's the outlook is a lot better than I would have expected oh wow if you'd okay. asked me Tuesday or even Wednesday uh Trent Williams seems like he's trending in the direction of playing which of course is the most important one uh mm -hmm. Aaron Banks seems like the least likely out of the three uh, I asked Kyle Shanahan on Wednesday because, you know, when Banks had the turf toe injury earlier this year, my understanding is it is the same foot. I don't know if it's the same exact toe, but it's the same foot that, that Banks had. If you mm -hmm. remember when he hurt that, Kyle Shanahan said, oh, he's going to miss a few weeks, like instantly. Right. Like we knew mm -hmm. that. So I asked Kyle yesterday, I said, you know, is this the same type of situation with that? And he said, no. He said it is the same injury mm -hmm. or, you know, a similar injury, but it, we don't think it's as severe. So there's at least hope for him this week. But Banks hasn't practiced each, either of the first two days which isn't a great sign. Granted, Wednesday was just a walkthrough, so everything is kind of condensed this week with the short week, so it's a little bit harder to get a read on that. Banks mm -hmm. did play through that injury back on that Thanksgiving night against Seattle. He wasn't quite fully back yet, um, so he has experience doing it if needed, but I think the Niners are probably going to be okay here, largely because if Trent Williams is there, 
you really have, you know, you lose, if you lose Banks, you have two guards who have started a bunch of games this year outside of Banks and, yeah. and Feliciano and, and Burford. And so the benefit for the Niners would be they could plug Burford back in at right, right guard and then move Feliciano back over to left guard. And it wouldn't be that much different than what you saw for that period of time without Banks. And so yeah. that's why having Trent Williams makes such a huge difference because it basically allows you to line up in a way that you've already lined up in multiple games this year. And it mm-hmm. then beca- doesn't become such a concern where now you're wondering if Burford's going to have to play right tackle and Colton McKivitz is moving to the left side. You've got like four moving parts instead of really what would just be one, which is Feliciano switching to left guard, which he's already played this year. Yeah, done a good job, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not bad. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I think he's he's claimed a starting position regardless of the health situation. I mean, last week was the first week that we saw Spencer Burford healthy since Feliciano kind of stepped in for him, and it was still Feliciano was the starter. So um, that I think, you know, maybe Burford is still kind of coming back, but – Nonetheless, it was a good sign for Feliciano anyway that he yeah. has uh, he's kind of claimed a spot there. The other thing about about week 16 that you kind of spin forward into week 17 is this is the first game where Brock Purdy has like like really struggled. He obviously wasn't good against Cleveland, right. but I mean, there was the injury stuff and the weather was weird and they, they were still in position to win that game. It was just like, ah, okay. Right. But this is the first one where it's like, yo, man, you turned it over four times and you lost because of it. Like that, that's that. And I think that's hard on a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, because like we've gotten so far down the road with Brock Purdy and MVP talk and this and that, that it's easy to forget that he's in his second year and his first right. full season is a starter. Right. What? And coming off of a significant elbow injury. <laughs> coming off of right, the most major elbow injury you can have. Right. Is there. Is there any concern or anything you, you've seen or heard? He talked today on Thursday. Anything you've heard from him, anything you've heard from Kyle Shanahan that's made you think that, hey, maybe he's going to struggle to bounce back from this? Was this a good – I know Kyle Shanahan on Wednesday said that it's a good learning experience for for Purdy. What has Brock said specifically about about his, his performance on, on Monday? Yeah, it was very it was really interesting to listen to Purdy on Thursday afternoon and and I credit Purdy in general. I think he's like a really accountable guy and I think he's very transparent. Like I mean even the other night after the game when I asked him about the play when the flags were down, he could have just said, "Oh, I didn't see him. I just tried to make something happen, whatever." But he yeah. didn't. He said, "I saw him. I should have made a better decision." I think he called it very dumb. Uh what he what he did, which w- would get no disagreement uh from from anyone who was watching, but <laughs> I, I I credit Brock Purdy because he very much is he's almost too hard on himself i feel like sometimes like like you know for the reasons you're just pointing out like dude you're in your second year like you know like it's it's okay yeah. like you haven't gone through these things but it is good for him in the sense that he hasn't gone through it and now he has an opportunity to do it in the regular season where it doesn't necessarily mean the end of a season and the thing Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday that that i think carried over into Thursday that i that i wanted to ask Brock about was Kyle Shanahan said that the most the the most the biggest learning experience for Brock from that game was how he played and how he reacted after the interceptions mm-hmm. because he had never been in that position before and Kyle Shanahan I don't think was super thrilled that Purdy just seemed like he was kind of struggling he wasn't taking some of the easy throws wasn't making the layups wasn't taking the checkdowns and he was kind of struggling to strike that balance between continuing to be aggressive when the opportunities were there, but also just playing quarterback. Because as we alluded to a minute ago, it was 30 to 18 or 30 to 12. They're down by 18. Sure. That's not great. There was 
27 minutes of game time a lot of game at point, yeah at that point so like there was still like if he had just you know you just take care of the ball after those first three interceptions or or i guess the four interceptions at that point there's still a chance for you to theoretically climb back into this game mm-hmm. and brock said today brock's exact words were that he was really battling that internal that kind of had that internal struggle of when do i take shots when do i want to be aggressive and oh crap i don't want to throw another interception and that's an interesting uh, thing to admit because yeah. guys generally will just tell you, oh, I flush them away as quick as possible. That <laughs> interception, it might as well have happened six years ago. I don't care if it was six seconds ago. It might have happened six years ago. Yeah. You know, that's what you that's kind of the cliche. But he was honest about it because when they do start accumulating like that, it's just human nature that you would think you're thinking about it. And oh, by the way, it's Monday Night Football against one of the best teams in football and everybody's right. watching and you've got the MVP. I and mean, even if you're not thinking about that consciously got to be in the back of your head somewhere right. and so i just appreciated that i he said that's the thing that i have to learn from and grow from the most is and he, i think he called it what do you call he called it a sucky mindset uh was his exact his exact verbiage uh in other words he didn't like his own frame of mind in that moment like it was it sucked to be in that mindset of oh i don't I am not playing quarterback like I should be playing quarterback. I yeah. am either trying to force things or I'm worried that I'm going to throw an interception. And so I think in his mind, it's okay in the future. If I ever get in the situation again, I've got to maintain focus that every single play has to be an entity unto itself. And then that will accumulate. If I keep doing that, that will accumulate in a way that gets us back in the game. Sucky mindset is a real queen Creek, Arizona thing to say. I got to tell you. That feels like a real I don't something know what that from means. It just it. If you've ever been to Queen Creek, you'd get it. Uh, that's a very niche, niche thing I'm talking about. Queen Creek, Arizona, is a weird place. That's where Brock Purdy's from. I know that's that, it. but I, I don't. I don't know. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that sucky mindset was a local jargon for <laughs> Queen Creek, it's Arizona. A, I don't know if it is, but it feels like it is based <laughs> on my experience in Queen Creek. That's all. I don't know, man. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, <laughs> does this? Is this is the other kind of I, I think concern you'd have if if you're the 49ers is losing in that way to Baltimore and then bouncing back the next week, but you lost that way on Monday night football. Okay, now you're tied for the one seed again and you have all the tiebreakers, but now you gotta probably win your next two to get the one seed. Um turned it over four times, give up 30 points, all this stuff. Is there anything you've you've seen in the locker room after the game or in talking to players and coaches and stuff since then that's made you think that hey there's going to be kind of some lingering effects from this loss they're you know carrying it differently or are they viewing it kind of like everybody else like or I shouldn't say everybody else are they viewing it kind of how how I'm viewing it and you're viewing it where it's like nah bad game yeah. I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't get the sense that there's going to be some sort of a hangover from this other than the potential of like, hey, it's a short week and they're pretty panged up right now. I mean, that right, is a lengthy yeah. injury report. Now, to be fair, some of that length, the length of that injury report is due to the fact that it is a short week. So you're going to get guys who are, you know, on Wednesday or on the injury report because it's 48 hours from the game and they're feeling something that they may not have been feeling 72 hours from the game. So there is probably a little bit of that. But 
uh, in terms of like mindset and where they're at, I don't, I don't get that sense at all. I do. I, I don't want to say they think it was an aberration because I think that they would tell you that's taking credit away from the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Cause I do think the Niners respect the Ravens. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, just on and off the record, you talk to those guys like, no, that's a good team. And we wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if we were able to advance far enough that we would see them again. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say that, but I, but I do think that they felt like, hey, you know, it's one of those nights where just nothing goes right for you. And mm-hmm. it wasn't just the turnovers. I mean, the turnovers were part of that. And But it was injuries that I just talked about. It was penalties. I mean, the penalties kind of went under the radar yeah. because there was so much other stuff that went wrong. But some of those were big. I mean, the Wisnowski penalty was big. Like, who knows yeah. if the Ravens don't score off of that off of that punt and, that you know, to start the, the third quarter – who knows? Like maybe that's a different game there. So like there's yeah. like all these little turning points that happen because of either a turnover or a penalty or an injury or a combination of the three. And so I think the 49ers are viewing it like that. I think they still know who they are. Obviously, they know the importance of the next couple of games. Of course, there is still a pathway to them clinching it uh, as early right. as Monday. I mean, it could, you know, Detroit has to go to Dallas. Dallas has been really good at home. Detroit hasn't been so great on the road. Their defense is struggling, so uh, maybe Dallas wins that game. And uh, yes, Niners fans, you get to root for Dallas again for the second time in like three weeks. I'm sure you're thrilled for that. Yeah, but uh, uh, <laughs> and the and, Cardinals, and, and, right? And the Cardinals, and and, <laughs> and you know, like it's funny. Like I, I keep saying this, like everyone's like, oh, there's no way the Eagles were going to lose to the Giants, and it's like, well, there was almost a way. Like, there, was, there was there was a way. <laughs> I think got happen, a little spicy. There, there was a way, and I mean, so can we sit here and say Arizona may not give them all they want? You know, Jonathan Gannon is, I'm certainly cooking up whatever he can, and and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you never know. Crazy, crazier things have happened. The Eagles aren't exactly playing like a juggernaut themselves right now, so uh, that's possible, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's going to be any sort of lingering effect from this um, unless, like I said, unless it's an injury thing that just kind of continues to pile up and doesn't get any better quickly. Yeah, that was this was one of the games that early in the year when the schedule first came out, this game in Washington was one of the ones that I don't know if you've ever done this, but what I like to do is I go through and I pick like wins and losses for each game when the schedule comes out. Smart people should, people should try it. Yeah, that sounds like good content. No, one's yeah, ever no, done thanks. That it's something I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really? yeah, preseason win predictions, win loss predictions is what I call it. You should put bold preseason predictions. Oh, I've never that's thought of that. Cl- but that's the clickbait. That's how you yeah. get them. No, for right. sure. You can you can they're pitch like, the win loss oh, prediction they don't want, to your boss. Yeah, they don't want these run of the mill Kyle Madsen predict regular <laughs> predictions. They want the bold Kyle Madsen <laughs> prediction. You remember this year? You probably don't. Uh, this year, I did my not bold predictions. Mm. Where I was like, the 49ers will complete a pass this year. Don't know who's going to. You should have called them like italics predictions or something like that. You know? <laughs> Underlined prediction. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, all right, the 49ers might have lost in week 16, but the good news is uh, so did I. <laughs> and I think, and I think, Chris, you did as well in prize picks. Prize picks is America's largest daily fantasy sports platform and it is my new favorite way to consume sports you can play along with us at prizepicks.com candlestick and use promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to 100 that is prizepicks.com candlestick promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to 100 super easy you pick two to six players you pick more or less on their stat projections and then you watch the winnings roll in unless you ride with me and chris in which case uh, you will not be watching the winnings roll in. <laughs> uh, I had less than on the Gus Edwards number, which I did hit. You did. 
Yeah, you yeah. had less than 39 and a half rushing yards for Gus Edwards. Yeah, I had him right around 31, and that's exactly where he ended up. So, <laughs> oh, so what's your what's your projection? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what my model was telling me. <laughs> um, ten thousand so, yeah. simulations. <laughs> so, ah. uh, yeah, but because I went with the uh, with the power play, no, no winnings for your guy over here. But again, we're gonna lick our wounds. Next week. We're gonna we're gonna watch the film. Um, we're going to take a hard look in the mirror and we're going to get back to it when the Niners go play the Durs. So shout out to prize picks. No doubt. Love prize picks. Prizepicks.com slash candlestick promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Yo, it's your homies, Kyle and Chris for Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. And follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are are dressing themselves in uh, maybe it's the Maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts, or maybe it's a pair of joggers, or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I, I base my outfits off of that, and it always makes me look dope, which is the single most important thing. And it's also comfortable. It's also high quality. Yeah. It's super yeah. stylish. They're conversation starters, honestly. They also have kids' uh, kid sizes on here, too. Yes. That and is everything's correct. unisex. Uh, we, we should point out also. So, um, no matter if you're a man or woman, these clothes will look great on you or a child or a child. They have children's sizes and a lot of their (laughs) stuff as well. Use promo code candlestick 20 today to get 20% off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever candlestick 20 is a promo code any day of the week to get 20% off your order from sglambchops.com. Uh, shout out to them. We really appreciate their support and, uh, we would appreciate it if you support them by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high-quality clothing. Join the herd today. No, but this is this is one of the games because, like, Washington coming into the year, it's like, oh, you know, they got a pretty good defense. They're a little bit feisty last year. Um, you know, may, it, this is a – they've got that gauntlet with the two games against the Seahawks and the one against yep. the Eagles sandwiched in there. They got the Ravens game on Monday night. Then it's a short week, cross-country flight, early start. Like, it – it doesn't get a lot worse than Monday night game to Sunday, 10 a.m. turnaround West right. coast time. Right. And then hey, you toss you in all the inter- series of birds to playing a dur. Like that's a tough, that's Dude, a tough ask too. <laughs> going from birds to durs is not uh, recommended <laughs> in most States. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you, t- you just mentioned it. Like you toss in the injury stuff too. And it's like, dude, this is, I understand that Washington has punted the season. And Ron Rivera is coaching out the string. I would be, st- I'm I'm a little surprised he's still there, but I would be even more surprised if he's there the Tuesday after the season ends. Um, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm I'm worried about the 49ers in this game just because I think the talent gap is is overwhelming enough yeah. that it's not going to matter. But like they're favored by like two touchdowns. And for me, that just feels like a lot. Like Jacoby Brissett, I don't think he's going to be as good on Sunday as he's been in his whatever it's been two games that he's that he's played. But 
I think he's probably more effective than Sam Howell has been. And I just, if, if you're San Francisco and you're already dealing with injury stuff, playing a game where you're all of a sudden playing a tight game in late December in the cold in Washington, DC, like that just doesn't sound ideal. Like this yeah, could I, be, this feels like it could be tough. I mean, I, I feel like it's, there's probably a lot of parallels to draw to the Arizona game. The Niners played a couple weeks ago, which mm. is like, I don't know that Washington is going to be able to stop the 49ers nearly enough to really make it a close game. Um, but Jacoby Brissett's probably going to take care of the ball. He's, he's definitely going to take care of it better than Sam Howell did. He's not going to hold on to it as long as Sam Howell did. Sam Howell took a lot of sacks uh, right. while he was the starter. Uh, Brissett has been around too long to do some of those things. Um, He's not super mobile, but he can move a little bit. Uh, and they should get they're probably gonna get Brian Robinson back. They're they're running back. So I think there's probably some opportunities for Washington to score. I like their receivers. Terry McLaurin, I think, is still a really good player. Uh yep. Curtis Samuel. It's funny, you know, if you go back at what the what the commanders have done under Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew the last few years, they mm-hmm. were very much trying to build 49ers East. I yes. mean, it, just in terms of the investments they made on the defensive line, let, they said, let's build that thing out. They had one, they had four first rounders along that defensive line at one point. Uh, they went out and got, you know, they had Terry McLaurin, who was kind of their in-house guy receiver, but they went out and got Curtis Samuel in hopes that he could be kind of a gadget, you know, right. uh, Debo light type of thing. Uh, so there was a lot of, there was kind of a lot of comps to, to draw there, but it just kind of never never came to fruition for them. I think part of the problem for them defensively is that they were never able to build out that back seven to yeah. complement that front four, particularly a linebacker. I mean, I was having this conversation with our pal Josh Dubow today or yesterday, I guess it was about like just how many good off ball linebackers are there in the league at all? Like you could argue that the four best ones were on the field on Monday night. You, you take in like Matt Milano from Buffalo and then mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to come up with it. Like I think, I think Logan Wilson, if, Jermaine Pratt? Yeah, well, yeah, I think those I think those are two other good ones. And then other than that though, like I was looking at the PFF grades, which I don't I don't remember the shade of color it was. I know you love going through that. Well, but, then what? Uh, I don't know what the point is. Right. But 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 <laughs> but but the Nicholas Morrow from the Eagles who the Niners just torched a few weeks ago was like their 16th highest graded linebacker. Ugh. So like I, and I don't think that speaks to him having a great year. I think it speaks to it's just a position yeah. that's down. It's harder to find nowadays. Um, because guys probably that get to that size are like, oh, I'm going to be an edge rusher where I can make a lot more money. So right, uh, right. that's probably part of it. Anyway, uh, uh, that's a that's a digression. But I, I think that the Niners are are in a good spot here. It's not a gr- it's not a great setup, like you say, from a scheduling standpoint, from having to travel across the country. I think they are catching a Commanders team right now, though, that defensively is really in disarray, and especially if Trent Williams is healthy. I think mm-hmm. offensively, the 49ers just have too much firepower for them. Yeah, I I think I'm right there with you. In our in a um I don't yeah, like I said, I think uh I think two touchdowns just feels like a lot for me. Oh yeah. It's it's always a lot. It's yeah, always a lot. Enough. And you never know what the weather's gonna be. So yeah, um hundred percent doesn't look like it's gonna be a mud bowl like it was in twenty nineteen at least. So I kinda ho- I kinda hope it is. That, that was at fun. Least. It, oh no! Because it, it rains in the press box there, huh? It rains in the press box. Yeah, I, <laughs> no. I, I was I was like pulling cords out of the wall, trying to avoid oh, being electrocuted no. while while doing my job. Um, which <laughs> I'm sure your listeners do not care at all about the trials and tribulations of of us media media folk. But it was not it's a so fun, hard. It was not a. It was not a fun. It was kind of fun to watch. I'm not gonna lie, but it yeah. was not a fun. It's not a fun day to try to work, and everyone's jockeying for position, like at the little tables out outside where like the food is and stuff like that, so that sure. we don't get rained on. But yeah, FedEx Field is a gem. 
just a just a beautiful facility. Not at all the worst stadium in the league. Certainly would never <laughs> say that. It's you the wouldn't. Worst stadium in the league. It's the worst stadium in the league. <laughs> I was talking to Chase Young last week. Just a quick aside, I was talking to Chase Young last week. Yeah. And we were chatting about some Washington stuff. And Ben Barch, who was nearby, heard me and and I say something to to Chase about playing on that field. And uh, Ben Barch said, "Oh, you mean the the goat pasture." I said, excuse me. He said, he said, oh yeah, we call it the goat pasture because that's what the field is like there. It's like what it's a grass field, but it's one of the worst playing surfaces in the league, despite being grass. So I love the specificity of goat pasture. Yeah, totally. Not a cow pasture, not a horse pasture. Goats. Shoot over by goats. Nothing else. Absolutely. Specific. I thought there were going to be some story about like, oh yeah, to save money on grass cutting, they just brought in goats to to chew the grass. Well, which I wouldn't would put. Better, I'm not putting it, it, it past Dan Snyder. It would. It would at least give them an excuse for why it's so bad. As of, <laughs> as of now, it's goat pasture purely as a derogatory term. Nothing against the goats, of course, but uh, yeah. Hey, um, do you think Sebastian Joseph Day is going to start, or is he going to be a rotational guy while Eric Armstead's out? You know, it's interesting because. I thought when he got released, I was like, oh, there's a guy that makes sense. Like, you know, he's a good for the run first stuffer. time ever. Let me let me real quick. Let me tell the listener every yeah. time a player that I think even could help the 49er, just like a, a even a modicum, like a small amount. I might I'll text Chris and, and Nick in our group chat and I'll say, hey, uh, Zach Ertz, what do you think? And to a man, every single time Nick's been like pass, pass, expensive, stinks both like whatever whatever it is and joseph day gets released and i literally i was like i'm not even gonna text it i'm not even gonna send it and then three minutes later i get a text it's like i actually like sebastian joseph day for the night damn it this is the one in this case in this case it's just a, it's a matter of the uh the attrition they've had at defensive tackle where sure like a, a functional defensive tackle is available and they need them because Kalia davis is on injured reserve and who knows when eric armstead is going to be back so uh it was fortuitous for them in that way but i will say you know we always talk about like when chase young got here like oh it's this is easy randy gregory when these guys get here this is easy it's just go get the quarterback go get the ball you know like to some extent, that's true, but it is a little bit more complicated that. And in the case of Sebastian Joseph Day, I think it's even more complicated because I think the interior guys get asked to do things that are a little bit different than even the edge guys mm. in the wide nine. But Sebastian Day is a guy. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day is a guy who has played largely in a three-four, and he's been a two-gap guy for a lot of his career. So mm. that's a big difference going from two-gapping to hey, we want you to get upfield and penetrate uh, as as this defensive line is is more commonly asked to do. So. Um, I'm not so sure that he's going to start necessarily. I think the Niners hope is, is, is like Javon Kinlaw has played pretty well here recently, not mm. great, but pretty well, definitely better. I think they still would like to not have him playing, you know, 40 plus snaps in games. I think they would like to get to a point where he can be a 25 to 30 snaps a game guy. And he's given you everything he's got on those 25 to 30 because that's where he can be the most effective. And so I think that's where Joseph Day can maybe take lighten some of the load even on rundowns uh I you know I think that's going to be a little bit more where he's he fits in he's a little bit more of a run stuffer certainly than a than a pass rusher but again it's almost hard to judge him as a pass rusher because he's been two gapping for his whole career. So yeah, sure. if you look at his stats you're like oh he's had 11 sacks or whatever it is for his career you're going to be mm. underwhelmed by that. But at the end of the day, he's a former sixth round pick who has been 
a two gapper for most of his career. So right. generally those guys don't have a lot of sacks. So certainly I think he can help. I don't necessarily know he's going to be a panacea, but if they were, if they are able to get Armstead back, I think it would be really helpful for them to have like, okay, now you've yeah. got, you've got Joseph day and you've got Kinlaw as your primary backups. And then you could still work givens in, or, you know, if you want to bring up T Y McGill or, or whatever. More helpful. Sebastian Joseph day or Jesse Davis. Sebastian Joseph Day. Because he's on the can, active can, roster. Can, can, I, can I take people inside the locker room for the dumbest observation of the week by me, yours truly? Yeah, yes. Wow, this is great. An exclusive from Nick Wagner. So so on Wednesday, the 49ers officially announced the signing of Sebastian Joseph Day and the signing of an offensive lineman to the practice squad named Sebastian Gutierrez. So I immediately make the joke, Oh, the 49ers now lead the league in both Sebastian's and Gutierrez's. Like that, that, that has to be a good thing. Right. But then I go into the locker room. And if you go, if you've ever been in the 49ers locker room, I'll just kind of explain it to people here real quick. There's the big walls where all the normal full size lockers are. And then there's like in, in the little in between part, there's these little lockers that are lined up in a row. So the new guys and a lot of practice squad guys get those littler lockers in the middle. So okay. if you go into the locker room right now from left to right in that little little locker area, it's <laughs> Alfredo Gutierrez, Sebastian Joseph Day, Sebastian Gutierrez. And I'm, I'm fully convinced that there is an equipment guy on the 49ers that was just bored out of his mind and said, is anyone out there going to be like dumb enough to recognize this stupid little joke of mine? And let me tell you something. If there's anyone that's dumb enough – it's so this guy right here. You can't get the you can't get the dumb jokes past me. Forty equipment guy. You sneak one it. by you. You can't you can't do it. So you've got your little <laughs> row of Sebastians and Gutierrez is in a little little trio right there. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't get by me. I noticed it right away. I'm really proud of you, man. That's great. Real journalism, my friends. Real they also journalism. hey also just to tack this on to your observation. They also lead the league in Spencers. Ooh. At least they did. I don't know if they Wait, still do. Burford. Um hang on. Wow, this is this is this might be a pre hard. hang on. No, this might be a preseason thing only. Um oh uh Weggy, Weggy, right? Yes, yeah. Who's yeah. really moving around out there during training camp? Well, uh, yeah, but before they even yeah. put pads on was really making an impression. Also, hey, fun fact, Oren Burke's middle name, Spencer. There you go. How did you come up with that so quickly? Because I wrote about it. The blogging game's tough, bro. <laughs> well, hey, you can use the you can use the Gutierrez uh, Sebastian thing if you really want. Uh, that one's that one's on me, pal. You can even right. call him. I'll C-Bass. co-author you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Sign Janikowski, and we're cooking. Um, Absolutely. You, Get a little crab made, in there. Yeah. You made a. Christmas movie observation that I am obsessed with and we need to talk about it. Oh, all right. So much. I love that. We just said like, you're like, Oh, Nick said something really stupid. Let's segue into an even dumber discussion. So yeah, no, we're here. We're, we're at the end of the podcast, everybody. Um, (laughs) So you mentioned and so many people with home alone are so obsessed with, Oh, what is, here's my least favorite thing that came out of this holiday season. I know was, Oh, what did McCa- Kevin McAllister's dad do to earn all that money? Look out where they're 17 plane tickets to for, like, no, we get it. Yeah. They're rich. 
Like it does. It's not a. It's not a. It's it's not original. Can you, I make a quick point on that, real quick? Before yeah. Before you get to the next thing, I think they say in the first movie. Someone could fact check me on this. That his brother pays for everybody to fly to Paris. Um. N- no, Kevin's dad. Kevin's dad's oh, did, brother, Rob, who is did, the one who also owns the home in New York that you see in two. Right. Which gives you an idea of how wealthy he is. Home in New York, brownstone that they're renovating. Home in Paris. Oh. Paid for the vast majority of them to go. To, Interesting. I think they say that in the first movie. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like that's true. Anyway, go ahead. Either way, it's just like, what does he do? I don't know, man. He's yeah. rich. Like, what do you want? I, I, I don't right. know. Um, But he's a terrible parent. <laughs> you you brought up the fact that Harry and Marv, right? Just they are the dogs. Like that's what they get burned, they get bricks dropped on them, they get hit with paint cans, they get stapled in the nuts, they get stapled in the ass. Uh, what Blow else? Torch to the head. Blow torch to the head. Burn a your bomb? hand off. Burn your hand off on a on a doorknob. Blowtorch to the head, head into or gasoline. The, to the feet. Yeah, absolutely. And just they just keep coming. And right. you pointed this out, and I was like, yeah, you know what? That's funny. And then I watched Home Alone one and two, and I oh. couldn't get over it. It's outrageous the things they come back from. I want you to wrap your mind around this. So yeah. you are Harry and Marv, the wet, the self proclaimed wet bandits slash sticky bandits. Right, but in the first one, I'm talking about. Oh, okay, right? yeah, yeah, so yeah. The wet bandits in the first one. Yeah. The, this kid puts you through hell, right? Like you have easily the worst night of your life. Now, mind you, I still, I don't, I don't know that we know the the criminal record of Harry and Marv, but to my knowledge, they had never been caught prior to that, which tells right. me they were even tougher in their prime. Like they were even better criminals in That's their prime. Point. Yeah. Right. So we're not even necessarily seeing peak Harry and Marv in, in home alone one, yeah, but they go through all point. that. They go through all that. They mm. break out of jail in prison in number two, break out. Right. Like yeah. pure Shawshank type stuff. Right. We don't know exactly like Harry and Marv, you know, with their little chess, fake chess boards to use to get out of the, uh, <laughs> right. get, out of, uh, to get out of prison. Right. So then they're all right. Like, let's come up with a good plan here. Let's get back in the game with something smart. Let's knock over a toy store on Christmas Eve. Kind of right. a smart plan, really by, smart, by, especially by their standards, which is admittedly very low. Right. And then they get distracted by seeing Kevin randomly. And not only are they like, instead of like, oh, we don't want anything to do with this kid. He ruined. He foiled our plan last time. We don't want anything to do with him. We're just going to knock off this toy store. We're going to go have a Merry Christmas and enjoy the new year. They said, no, 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 no. We want the smoke again. Bring us the smoke. We not only accept it, we welcome it. Yeah. So so they go after the kid again, and he puts them through hell again. And in some ways, even worse. Yeah. Because it wasn't even Kevin's house the second. Like, there's a little part of me that thinks Kevin took it a little easy on him in the first one because it was his house, you know? Right. right, right, right. The second one, there, there are no rules. Like, and you get to a sequel, you hear this about like horror movies, like the rules get thrown out the window. Right. Same thing. It's not Kevin's house anymore. He didn't care. They're renovating it. What's the difference if there's already a hole in the floor? Thousand percent. So it, it, it's just, it's almost unbelievable what those guys were willing to go through to really because the second time it was just extracting revenge and i know it was oh kevin took a photo of them when they were 
when they yeah. were, you know, robbing the toy store. But they, they were already it. they had already tried. They had already yeah. tried and he had gotten away. Yeah. So they they were after it. They were they were not gonna back down. And you know, I know there's the 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 fan theory is that Kevin became jigsaw later in life. Right. Uh, right. That's out there. And it was like I, I maybe, but if that's true, it's because there was nothing diabolical enough that he could come up with to put Harry and Marv away. Bottom line. That's it. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> Kevin didn't Kevin didn't have it. He wasn't he was not he thought he did. He thought he could do it. It was good <laughs> enough to get him in jail, but that was proven not to even matter. Oh, jail. We'll get out. We'll bust out. Who cares? No big deal. We'll rebrand ourselves, sticky <laughs> bandits. Like I mean, these guys not very high on the intelligence level, but in terms of dog, I mean, dogs would like to be them. I think I put on Twitter that you you've seen in like X-Men movies. Yeah. Wolverine will go down for less and stay down for longer. Thousand percent, dude. It's unbelievable shit from the wet bandits slash sticky bandits. Um, honestly, the wet bandits aspect of that, because I hadn't watched Home Alone in a while. I watched sure. it a bunch of times as a kid, but I hadn't watched it in a while. As somebody who has owned a home and has had multiple leaks inside their home, oh. that is absolutely goddamn diabolical. Absolutely. You, If someone broke into my house and stole my most valuable possessions, I, it would suck and I'd be really upset about it, but not a, a tenth of as upset as I would be if I came home and my entire house was flooded. Absolutely. It's, it's every, like they've now taken everything from you. It's a, absolutely diabolical, dude. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and the crazy thing is about that is in the movie, they paint Harry and Marv very differently, right? Like Marv is like the brains of the operation, right? Or, wait, is it? No, Harry is the brain. Harry is the brains Marv's of the operation idiot. and Marv is an idiot. And Marv is the one is the one who does the meanest thing, which is he's the one that cares about the branding of, of his criminal duo. So he's the one that's always because because he it's a great point. Yeah, he openly questions him in the movie. Like, why do you do that? You're, now they can tie it all together. You're an idiot. And, he, yeah. and, 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 and he doesn't have a good answer for it. But the answer is he knows it's one of the meanest things he could possibly do on top of taking all of your valuables. Absolutely. I the valuables would be secondary to me in that situation. 100%. I'd be like, damn it. Now we got to tear up this floor. We got the fans going. It's going to be hard to sleep in here. Oh the worst it was the basement remember in the first one it oh, actually yeah. almost, it actually almost worked for harry and marv because it slowed kevin down when he tried to run through the basement if it wasn't yeah. for old man marley and his shovel they would have had him man that's what that's the other thing is kevin didn't learn from old man marley and he was scared of the pigeon lady at first like yeah. bro grow up man right oh. that should be your ace like immediately like oh yeah. i'm in a city by myself again this is ringing a few bells I under this this is all feeling a little bit too familiar right whoever's the weirdest <laughs> person looking out there we are homies for life immediately recognize the plot points kevin right kevin right, <laughs> right. you've already made the mistake twice don't double down don't make a bad don't be brock purdy when the flags are on the ground and make a bad situation worse thousand percent thousand percent maybe maybe that's what's happened at fedex field is the wet bandits got in there and they were like hey every time it rains you know i think they ended up making like what four or five home alone movies and i think there's yeah i'm convinced kevin didn't come back because he was like you know i can't put these guys away and this is gonna look bad on my record as i get older and i can't yep. i can't do it he's going out on top he did the right. patrick willis move 
Right. Yeah. He, he, gets yell, he gets yelled at for the big room service bill at the plaza and just off into the sunset after that. Honestly, hey, and what kind of father is mad about the room service bill after you left your child at the airport? That's that's crazy. He's like, Kevin, like, no, 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 no. You don't get to be angry right now. This yeah, is and, the and also like, how was he supposed to eat otherwise? Like, yeah, he, no, a, a thousand dollars room. feels excessive. Feels sure, but excessive. we how how long was he there? A couple days, a couple three days. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard. Uh, room service is expensive, man, especially at the plaza. Yeah, no, you're right. You're I right. mean, I don't, I don't know. I still don't think also, you can get mad about it. I agree with you. And also, can we talk just real quick about how Buzz, who has, you know, he's kind of been in the thorn in Kevin's side in both movies. He has the little moment at the end of the second one where he's like, hey, Kevin, you can open your gift first. Like, we wouldn't have all this cool stuff in this dope room if it wasn't for you. And then immediately turns around and and shows and gives his dad the uh, the room service bill. Just a total J- snitch. Dude, it, it, Buzz is an asshole. Buzz sucks, bro. And then he's like, here, Kevin, you open the first gift. That's pretty cool. And then everybody opens gifts at once. Right. And immediately turns around and turns Kevin in for the room service bill. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable shit. Right. Yeah. And and, and Kevin is tougher, way tougher than he ever was. Buzz, Buzz, Buzz wouldn't have put Harry and Marv through hell. No, Buzz Buzz is going out. Called the cops or something weak like that. Yep. Just absolute snitching, bro. Yeah, miss me with Buzz all day. <laughs> I'm out. That's going to do it for today's pod. <laughs> Nick, thanks so much for hanging out. I really appreciate it. Everybody uh, watching on YouTube, uh, we appreciate that as well. Please hit that little thumbs up button. That would be awesome uh, for the pod. And please subscribe to the channel and hit that little notification bell. You'll get a notification whenever we go live, which we do after every game and a couple times a week during the season and then with this podcast we stay uh we stay doing episodes throughout the year no off season for us so subscribe wherever you get your pods make sure to subscribe subscribe to the youtube channel and uh nick thank you and we will talk to you guys next time